you're listening to the Mind Devs Podcast, a podcast that creatively empowers you through exploration and curiosity, seeking wisdom from minds of the world. My name is Ryan Perez, a creative, curious, and ever-changing human on a mission to spread self-education and connection around the world by sitting down with fellow humans to share and reflect on impactful ideas that will grow your mind, body, and soul, developing the mind one experience at a time. Hey, Mind Devs Nation. Today, we're talking to my friend, Blake Gann. He is a husband, actually a recent father. Congrats to him. He is a creative entrepreneur, a wonderful human, uh, currently developing Peace with the Process podcast. He has this great quote, why learn to love the process when we can create a process that is easy to love? I absolutely love that quote, but it pretty much sums up what he does. He goes ahead and interviews other people on their processes and and their ideas on developing whatever there is that they're currently creating in the world. So it was a truly, truly wonderful episode. This is a part two, by the way. So if you want to go ahead and check out part one, where Blake actually goes ahead and interviews me on sort of my processes and finding the peace within my own process, please do check out part one on his podcast, Peace with the Process podcast. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Blake Gann. I like the energy we got going, so... Cool. So now, welcome to the Mind Dev Podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. On our podcast, we try to discuss more about uh, getting into the minds of other people to help develop the mind, body, and soul. And again, while building connection with other people. So, you know, you and I, we can connect and not just you and I, but the audience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, yeah. What, wanted, what, what made you want to get into uh, podcasting? I really wanted to pick your brain about podcasting since we both have to develop this I mean, I think we're both fairly green to say um, yeah. in podcasting and like the podcasting realm. So I'd love to pick your brain more on just being what, a podcaster, a podcast host on yeah. uh, and like your journey so far. Like what got you into wanting to become a podcast host and talk to people? Right. So hosting podcasts was really initially it started off as, you know, hey, here's here's really just a way to start uh, to start sharing with people something that I enjoy doing. And that to me was learning. And if I can share how that experience looks, uh, for me, by me having a conversation with somebody else, then somebody can look from the outside in and learn something along with me. They can be in that process with me, um, and do that. So that was kind of initially, I was like, okay, yeah, this'll, this'll not only, uh, give me an opportunity to provide value to people by allowing them to sit in on these conversations. I really didn't know what kinds of people I was going to be talking to. I knew it was going to be people that I enjoyed uh, listening from and people that I enjoyed learning from. And I didn't quite know what that was going to look like. But when it first started, I was a little bit like, uh, I mean, I, I know I'm talking to some cool people and there's even a couple of of things in there where I was like, oh man, I got an opportunity to talk with this person. Mm -hmm. And the more that it's developed, I have severely surprised myself with the, uh, the amazing people that I've been able to have conversations with. Um, so that's initially what got me interested in it was sharing my conversations of my just interest in growth and somebody's going to be able to, to have their own Cause I did a, uh, it was a little while later I started realizing, okay, what am I going to do to help people who maybe don't 
latch on to some of the things that we get to talk about on the podcast because I can have a conversation with somebody. And then whenever I go about my day, I might pick that conversation apart a little bit in my head and be able to find some more takeaways. And I was like, okay, but what if there's people who are listening that don't get those same takeaways? So, okay, I'll do, I'll do a process perspective episode. And I do it at the, I do it at the, the first Tuesday of the month and I'll do that. And I'll say, Hey, okay. Our three guests that we had last month, here's what we talked about, but let's also go deeper about this particular thing that somebody said, uh, your, you and I's yeah. conversation earlier. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to dive into that. So. No, I, I actually really love that. And, and I'm starting to uh, incorporate that now. Like I just wrote down in my, uh, I have a, a journal that I always carry with me. I mean, I um, just brought it over. And so in that, I try to, any sort of idea that, that comes to mind, as you said, when you're sort of piecing together conversations you've had with other people, I'm trying, I'm writing them down now and I'm trying to do solo interviews with like myself and the audience sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so. Uh, you know, the audience can definitely expect to see uh, more of that, but no, and, and I've listened a couple of years. Yeah. Phenomenal. I, I enjoy it too. It's like, it's like a journey into your own mind as well. Like, like, Oh, okay. This, this person that I'm listening to who interviews other people, but then it gives us a little perspective into his mind and how you think as a, yeah. as a person. And it brings that connection uh, with you as well. Nice. Yeah, uh, absolutely. When, when starting off. Yeah. Um, when starting off, what did you find was like the biggest struggle for you as, as like a host? The biggest struggle for me was, well, initially, obviously I had some of the the nerves, the jitters of kind of talking to people and I wanted to make sure that I was coming off authentic. I didn't want to come off. So, um, I didn't want to come off so structured or that I was so nervous or that I sounded too scripted because when I first started, I did. I would write down the questions that I wanted to ask yep. <laughs> and I would get yes. worried about whether or not I asked all the questions. And um, so some of my first few episodes, you can probably sense that in it. And then there was a point, I don't remember which episode it was, but I had heard another podcaster talk about how he doesn't write down anything anymore. He's like, man, I don't write down anything anymore. He said, I, I went from writing down like lists of questions. And then I went to just doing a few bullet points. And he said, now, I just get in on the conversation and where it goes, it goes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm just going to try it and see how it works out. And the naturalness of the conversation Mm -hmm. has just, for me, has just overall increased the quality. I may not be packing the the conversation with as many aha moments, Mm -hmm. but I believe that it adds a level of, it adds a level of, what's the word I'm looking for? Relatability throughout the conversation. And then the aha moments. Yeah. Authenticity. And when we do get those, those aha moments, uh, there's all, there's a lot, there's plenty of context built up behind, you know, it's not just Hmm, informational point after informational point after informational point. Like you can, you can almost, you can almost experience the aha moment with whoever it is that's telling the story. Interesting. Yeah. Like I, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, when, when we were on, when we were having the part of the conversation on, on uh, what we're going to show on my episode mm-hmm. or, or on my podcast, you were talking about the, uh, your, your building up of, of everything that you've done in college and the things that you've tried and the things that you've done. And then you started building into your interests into percussion 
and how you enjoyed this and how you enjoyed that and how you did the techniques and how you would stay after and, and, and spend time with a mentor and, and continue to do. And then it built up and even deeper and deeper and deeper until we came to this aha moment about sacrifices. Mm. And so people can share that with you. Like they, they can almost feel like they experienced that kind of at the same time, you know, I don't know. It's, almost, it's like reading a good book and you're like, Oh, I'm walking okay. with this character. Yeah, absolutely. See, I mean, and you're right too. I totally, so my, with my first interview, I interviewed Evan Carmichael. Um, I don't know. He's like a, a bigger yeah. YouTuber. Um, and yeah, no, definitely. I was super nervous. I, I listened. I love listening to it now though. Cause it's like, I was really nervous. Like I still get a little nervous now. Uh, I think more so if it's someone who I haven't ever interacted with before. Yeah. Then I'm, Cause I'm like, well, I don't know what they're perhaps comfortable with, you know, sort of thing. So, but I found just doing a little bit more research, like just, okay, find things that maybe you're both interested in things like that. And it helps sort of, okay, you can sort of start from that basis. And as you said, experience everything else together. But I definitely had like, I had in, again, in my notebook, I wrote down, I mean, I, sure i have it here somewhere but i wrote down like every single question i want to ask and then how i want to ask it and so i just pretty much be reading how do you want to do this like or how did you do that you know, why this it's like it was so and you could hear it in my voice too like hi evan carmichael okay welcome it's like so it's it's fun <laughs> to sort of yeah reflect on that and, and i'm glad okay so other podcasters feel the same way it's like yeah that that is normal to sort of try and find some structure but then it's like it kind of takes away so then, but you're saying you're also a believer now it provides even more value if it's natural. I find that interesting because to me, it's like, well, shouldn't there maybe be some sort of like, okay, uh, what is maybe one thing you want to get out of today's podcast? Or do you just right. like, like, do you have perhaps some sort of, I mean, I'm sure you do, but like a question or something you'd like to, to go into before you do the podcast? Okay. Whatever happens. I want this or this or this to happen. Um, so not necessarily prior. It's usually toward the end. I okay. do my best. I do my best to try to ask the question, um, which is, what is it that you do daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, however it looks, you do it on a regular basis that helps lead you uh, to continued growth. Um, and I try to ask that question a majority of the time. And sometimes I don't get an opportunity to, and that's just because we packed so much into a particular yeah. takeaway from the process. Like you and I, I didn't get a chance to ask because I was so caught up in the concept that we, that, that aha moment about sacrifices, you know, and, and, and how that looks. Um, so as long as we get a takeaway of, Hey, if you're in the middle of, of growing as an individual, and we touched on something that I believe is a great takeaway that you can take and you can, you can now look at your life and you can think, hmm, okay, yeah, like just like I did with, with our conversation where I was like, you know what, can I make some sacrifices? And then, you know, you helped, you helped remind me, you know, make sure we're not making the, the, uh, the wrong sacrifices or making unnecessary sacrifices. Mm -hmm. and, and we can mull over all of that stuff because all of our listeners uh, they, they want to grow, they want to develop and yeah. they, they, they want to continue to go forward toward this vision of themselves that they have in their minds of who and what they want to do and be. And, uh, so they're always going to be experiencing things that, that are going to come up. So as long as I get to grab onto somebody's experience of, that they've had, and we're able to spend a little bit of time on that, 
maybe it's a couple things, but as long as it's just one good one, um, then I don't feel bad if I forgot the question, but I do always enjoy uh, trying to plug that question in there. So I do always have something that the listener is going to take from. Gotcha. So, I mean, you could feel free to ask me the question now if you want. I mean, I was, yeah, I, I was going it's part to part one and this is part two. So if, if you want to go ahead and ask uh, the full question. I do. Yes. What do you do daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, however that looks, something you do on a regular basis that helps you continue to grow? Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Let's see. Well, daily, uh, I wake up before five. I found that for me has been like, I, I try to play it in my head now. It's like, wake up before five if you want to be happy and have a successful day. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I've, I've just found if I don't wake up before five, let's say I wake up six, seven o'clock, I don't find myself as productive. I haven't uh, learned as much as I've wanted to from books and whatnot. And I haven't just made time for myself, like for like thinking of as, let's say Blake, as a person and you can see yourself from the outside. So for the audience, like look at yourself from the outside as, as someone you should take care of or, or treat, right? I find if I don't wake up before five, I don't feel like the full Ryan. I don't feel like my full self. I feel mm. kind of like, uh, you know, so waking up before five, usually I try to aim for four. But I've, I've found, and again, trial and error, embrace the process of it. It could have took me months to figure out how to do it for me. So it's going to take months to figure out how to do it for you if it's something new you're trying to do. As long as you're being intentional and, and learning from it, it's fine. Embrace the suck of that. Like, it's going to suck. Um, I found if I go to sleep around 9 to 10, I can wake up around 4. If I go to sleep anytime after that, 4.30 is a little better. So mm. usually, like... I have a hard stop at like 11. Um, right. Because I find myself either coding or, or editing or something till 10, 11 sometimes. So, oh, crap. Okay. But I do try to set a point of around nine to 10. But um, so when I wake up, it's uh, workout to just get something, get the heart pumping, get kind of going. So, so you're not just like, oh, crap. I woke up out of bed. This sucks. This is the worst thing ever. Because it still sucks to this day. Like, I, I don't like waking up. Uh, getting out of bed i mean i don't think anyone really does and i don't like cold showers but i'm actually trying to also implement cold showers now into that routine as well yeah work out get the heart pumping i'll stretch slash meditate i i don't ref- so i have a, a journal right over there but where i try to reflect uh if i have a lot of thoughts in my mind i found if i do it every day it feels a little forced so i find myself doing it every two to three days it just works for me if mm. If you're someone who overthinks everything all the time, like to the point of like it's stressful, I do recommend journaling more once in the morning, once at night. But I found most days it's like I can do it every two to three days, but there's some weeks where, so I guess sort of a weekly schedule or weekly ritual, I do have to journal twice a day, once in the morning and then once at night sort of thing. Okay. Um, just don't forget that the journal or whatever you use to maybe meditate or whatnot is a utility for you. Too many people feel guilty if they don't journal every day, it's like, well, that's fine. Right. Like, right. Just, just think about, again, the intention, like what, what do you want from that? It's there to serve you. Right. We don't serve the book. The book is there to serve us. So um, doing that and, and then pretty much reading, I'll, I'll try to make sure to read at least minimum 20 minutes every day. Uh, embrace that curiosity, that adventure, you know, and, and fun little thing. I, I read about five, six different books at the same time, just because of my own nature, I would say, of, of being 
curious and whatnot there's some days i don't want to learn about finance or whatever like i just want to i don't know uh learn about communication maybe or i want to uh maybe read like the 5 a.m club and learn about morning routines things like that you know so yeah uh so just embrace i I do like to do that um but i aim for an hour but sometimes it doesn't always happen you know i I work really early as well i have school again so sometimes i gotta work on homework so it's just like uh final works for you but i think i found myself doing that uh daily and weekly has definitely helped and then i also just recently created a uh what is it uh i have the title hold on let me I have it right here. Let's see. Oh, come on. I have it somewhere. Oh, right here. Uh, my ha- uh, list of habits for success. Ooh, I like so that. I, so I sat down and please, like anyone in the audience listening, like do this. Like, it's okay. Because I, I found, uh, like I have family. I have, you know, younger siblings. I'm the oldest of three again. Um, I found it interesting. A lot of people don't like to set up some sort of goal or objectives because they're scared of actually possibly failing. Yes. But, it's like, but if you don't set any sort of dart to aim at, even if you miss, like, then you're still failing. Like, like imagine the dart, you're the dart. If you're from point A, and you haven't even thrown the dart to point B, even if you completely miss, you're still stuck at point A. You haven't moved at all. Yeah. Which is yeah. even worse than, than being off and missing. At least you made some progress albeit in a slightly off direction, but it's closer to the target than, than where you were at point A. You know, you're closer to point B, even if you fully missed, you know, how even some days you went in the opposite direction. Well, now you got to just, you know, just aim somewhere, you know, in, in the direction you want to go towards. But I just say that because I, I found a lot of people don't like to set up uh, like the rules for failure or success, right? But the idea is to sort of give me a give uh, yourself like a reflection of, well, what do I find successful? What is it to me that I can look back and say, I am happy that I did this for the day. Right. right? So, so some examples, I mean, uh, I, I will drink water. And, and another thing I learned this from talk like Ted with uh, Carm, Carm, Carmine Gallo, Carmine Gallo. Um, I forget the term that it's called, but pretty much you want to structure is I will, whatever task you want to do at whatever time uh, in whatever location. I found mm. that, that setting it like that specifically does help a bit more for other people. For me, I didn't really need to set it up that way, but, it, but it, it's helped. I mean, because I'm more of a, if this is what I want to do, I'm going to do it. But I know for some people, even though they say it out loud, they might not stick with it, which, you know, is human. We're, we're just human, you know. So setting it up like that, I think, would be valuable for people. Of So, again, back to, I, I set it up daily monthly and then weekly so like a daily example i will drink water at 4 slash 4 30 a.m when i wake up mm. i like i like to i think a lot so i like to drink water and sort of sort of cleanse the body and sort of wake up feel refreshed right yep, um, yep. i have another one i will work out at 4 30 a.m after uh waking up and i'll work out in the living room slash outside go for a nice some, some days i just go for a walk Cause some days yeah. like, oh, my hip kind of hurts, you know, maybe I just need to spend more time stretching something. I was right. going for a walk and get that cold air in the lungs. And... <sighs> Again, all these things are here to serve us. And then uh, a weekly thing, for example, I like to do is, I mean, unfortunately I do have to schedule it. I don't know. Some people would be like, Oh, that, that sounds terrible. But it's like so busy, but scheduling time to call family from around the country or from wherever they are. Cause I have family mm. in New York, I have family in Florida, schedule time, to just call them, right? Um, so that's something to me, I can feel at the end of 
that's again weekly oh yeah I, I connected with my family for a little bit yeah you know? so I, I definitely enjoy that and to me that's just for me again uh what I find to be like a successful sort of I can feel proud of that. So find whatever daily, weekly, uh, monthly, again, yearly thing that works for you that you can look back and, and feel happy for. But I would say, again, waking up early and sort of making a list of different things and, and seeing like that you think would be valuable for you that you can feel proud of. So for right. me, so to answer your question, it's a list of things, uh, but really waking up early to do all these extra things, to, to do the little workout, the stretch slash reflection. Because um, we're humans, you know, we're, we're very complex. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately so, but we just are. We, we, we're, I think we're the most complicated things in the universe, you know. It's like, because each human is so different. So finding a list of, of uh, habits for success for you, I found that's been like invaluable for me. Like just, it's been great. Uh, I so love it. Like, and writing it down too, because I'm very forgetful. So if you write yeah. it down, I, I have it in my computer. So I have it here in Notion. Um, if you write it down, okay, now you know the rules, you know, maybe print it out and tape it on your wall or something or by your bed. I don't know. Print out five yeah. copies. I don't know, like whatever works for you so you can see what it is you want to get done. And so yeah, sticking uh, to the habits for success uh, has been really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I do. I, I do. I do similar things myself. Nice. What, well, what's, uh, uh, since we're on that, what's something you found has been helpful for you, uh, either daily, maybe a morning routine, or just something that you found leads you a little bit closer to success? Yeah, man. And uh, there's lots of things similar to you where I, I could, I could generalize it and say that it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it is routine, but mm -hmm. what I, uh, what I really believe it is, is it's, um, it's kind of like a, a self-analysis. So the things that I do, I personally track it every day. I track what I do every day, whether I do it or don't do it, I track, did I do it or not do it? And it, it is, the, it's, it's similar things to what you have. So I do, I have, I have habits, you know, I'll wake up in the morning. Um, I drink, uh, I drink my water, kind of a concoction mm. a mix of salts. Cause I do kind of a low carb diet, but then it's also okay. got, uh, like the uh, Himalayan salts and stuff. Yeah. The Himalayan salts. I, it's got I the tried that. See, for me, I, I can't stand, it tastes like a, I lived in Miami. So it tastes like ocean water to me. So it's yeah, just, yeah. Ugh, I can't stand <laughs> it. I, I bought a whole bag too, like eight bucks. I did one try of it. I couldn't do it. I was like, nope, this reminds me too much of drinking ocean water. And I, I have to get those, I have to get those little great value packets of, uh, water flavoring like a fruit mm. punch flavoring it's okay. zero. Yeah. It's zero sugar, you know, okay. zero carb, okay. little, little packets. I have to do that. Um, okay. but I do that. I have my little water concoction. I let the dog out, uh, and then I'll do, uh, some exercise in the morning. Sometimes it's, you know, some push-ups, sit-ups, things like that. Sometimes it's stretching. Um, and then I'll get ready and then I'll, uh, I'll, or I'll spend some time in prayer. I'll get ready and then I'll go to the coffee shop and then I'll go through a list of a few other things. And I do uh, like a, similar to you, I do different things throughout my day. And just like you, I don't have to do every single one of them, but I have them set up on like a priority scale. So yeah. I know which ones I should do. Um, if I have to miss something, I know which ones uh, I can replace it with, et cetera. Um, but so after I do that, I take it a step further and I track it at the, at, at like uh, in the middle of the afternoon. And before I go to bed, 
I pull up this spreadsheet that I've made uh, easy to pull up on my phone and I go through and I put check marks or X's or I'll, or I'll, uh, or I'll notate if I, uh, if I switch something around or if something had to get moved or if something happened in the day and I'll make notations and then I've set it up so that at the end of my week, I've got all these graphs because I do it in a spreadsheet. I've got all these graphs that help me see how much time that I spend uh, on my relationships, how much time that I spend uh, in my self category, my health category and in my wealth category. Okay. So now how was my energy? How did I feel? Um, you know, and that helps me to find out if, there are any adjustments that I need to make in my life to keep me on the course that I need to be on. And I can look back and I can just go, Hey, last week, like today, I don't feel like last week was that was, you know, that there was any, like there was a down point or a high point in my week, but I can look back and actually see, okay, yeah, there was a down point here and there's a high point here. Let me see if I can figure out why so that I can reduce down points and let me figure out why I had this high point so that maybe I can bring my quality of life up another level i can capitalize on those high points or maybe i need to bring it down a little bit because that high point caused me to have a down uh, a day later or something like that you know so it's it really is it's playing with it i genuinely enjoy that some people look at that process and they go yeah that's a little too meticulous for me but i love doing it peace with the process love it that's right yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely. Hmm. well talking about um also with the the relationships I'm curious if, you know, with your podcast, if you could get one person on the podcast, who would you absolutely love to get and why? Ooh, okay. So I feel like, (laughs) I know, I know, right? (laughs) That's a good question. Oh man, that is a good question. I do think that one changes though. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say, I think it changes. As of right now, um, I've got a man crush on Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yes. uh, I think I think everybody does, but yeah, especially after I uh, I got the audio version of his uh, Green Lights book. Yeah, and he sits there and narrates it in his Matthew McConaughey voice and talks like this, his little Southern twang and all that. Uh-huh. I'm like, man, it would be awesome just to sit down and have a conversation with that guy and just just talk to him about his process because in Green Lights, it's almost the same conversation that I would have enjoyed having to having with him, mm-hmm. but I would almost want to find out. Um, Cause he does these, like these grandiose takeaways, right? Like, Oh, this was the, this was the key uh, takeaway from this experience in life. But I would want to know a little bit more of some of his stories. I'd want to know like, okay, what were you thinking in that moment? Or, or what was something that had to shift for you in that moment? Um, so I don't know right now, that's who I would love to talk with, but there's definitely plenty of other people. Yeah, for sure. Now I've, I've tried to think about that too. Like, who would I love to like talk to even before I have Mm -hmm. a podcast, just like to maybe even find, okay, I could aim to be maybe something like that person and find things that I like as well. But yeah, that definitely changes. And if I had to throw in just two more, just, Mm -hmm. just to give you an idea, like if I, if I had a three, so Simon Sinek and Mm -hmm. John Maxwell. So those would be my other two. John Maxwell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Why do you think, well, why do you think you currently really connect with, with Matthew McConaughey? Like, I mean, I know you mentioned like, okay, a lot of the stuff you would just like to ask him more detail, but why do you, why do you think you had a, that had a connection with you? His concept of green lights and 
the the idea that the idea that that he, he he has looked at life and he has analyzed his life now he's done it in a much more much more artistic expressional way than i have uh, you know he's doing it through because our because greenlight's book was derived from years and years and years of his own journal entries uh and uh, and poems and things like that and i've always had this pull toward people that had an artistic uh way about themselves and uh because i don't i maybe i do but maybe i have a hard time expressing it it's funny um Oh, who was it? Uh, Nick Velasquez from our mastermind. Mm -hmm. Me and him, me and him talked and, and, and had a podcast episode together where we talked a lot about creativity and how to actually express that. Um, mm -hmm. But back to Matthew, I, I genuinely loved his idea of green lights. I actually had a business idea that I've got written in a notebook that I may still uh, go after one day, but his concept of green lights lined up with it. I was actually going to call it green light academy or green light institute so i was I've, I've, i don't know there were several things that linked up and i was just like yeah he's got this way of having takeaways in a poetic way and that's yeah. something that yeah that's something that, that has caught on for me okay nice yeah no i haven't read green lights yet but everyone's told me that oh, they absolutely loved it i'm like don't worry i'll, I'll pick it up just it's for me it's, it just doesn't feel like the right moment just yet but Right. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it's really good and and yeah I know he, he spoke a little bit about it like it's just takeaways from his journals that he's kept throughout like his decades of, of being on it I'm like, oh, that's yeah so, yeah yeah nice so then I'm curious what have you found for within the podcast that you've really enjoyed and has also been perhaps uh successful for you Something on the podcast that I have enjoyed and that has been successful for me. Um, conversation. I mean, just the conversation piece of it. I know that is what podcasting is, mm -hmm. um, but engaging in conversation. And that to me is an art. I've actually had a few, some of the, some of my most, well, I don't want to call them my most valued guests on the show. That's kind of like what my knee jerk reaction was, but it's like some of the ones that I've really looked really okay. deep into what they deep connection, right. Have been, um, one of them was a uh, Robin Dreek who does people formula. He's a former FBI, uh, agent. He, uh, helped head up the behavioral analysis unit for foreign relations and, and did a lot of hooky spooky spy stuff is what he calls it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, his whole deal was, the concept of building trust and identifying trust in other people. And a lot of that has to do with how you conversate, how you show up in conversations. Just recently, uh, a very recent one, I actually had a good friend of Robin's come on the show, um, whose name was uh, Chris Hadnagy. And he does um, social networking is his deal. And he kind of pioneered the concept of social networking. But before social networking, he would look at, um, basically securities. So how to, how to, yeah. how to make sure that, that your security defenses couldn't okay. be broken into. So he would actually go and break into people's, he would call up a company and he would call them up and yeah. he'd say, Hey, you know, can I get your password pretending to be somebody else? And then he would go even further and he would 
he would show up to these buildings wearing a, a technician shirt and hmm. sneak into these buildings and try to get into locations within these like armed facilities that uh that he was not supposed to be in he's been chased away with mp5s and hopped in his car and drove off at high speed like and he'd been arrested like five times and uh just and then through that his whole deal was what you can find out from people in conversation because you have to talk to people to get to the next level of security to the next level of security to get to talk your way into doing that so conversation has always been a big my first book i picked up was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And 80% of that book has to do with how you conversate with people. So what do you think was or is currently the uh, the biggest trait you found has helped you communicate better with other people? Because like for me, I've found it's difficult to communicate with people you, again, never really spoken with or talked to. Mm-hmm. So what's something that you found uh, is perhaps like a communication technique that has really worked for you? keep digging until you find something that interests you. Now I've been told because Dale Carnegie says it and everybody, there's so many people that build their work off of Dale Carnegie. Uh, They talk about the concept of having a genuine interest in people. Well, I struggled with that. And to me, it was not natural for me to be interested in you and who you are and what you do. Yeah, I, I think I was I just just being point blank. I think I I probably grew up naturally a bit selfish. You know, if mm-hmm. if someone tried yeah. to drum up conversation and 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 we weren't having an interesting conversation within the first five minutes, I didn't care to talk to you anymore. Like I was going to move Pretty on. Much, yeah, right. Like I was going to break yeah. away. We were going to do something else, mm-hmm. um, or I was going to try to talk about myself, or I was going to try try to talk about something that I did. And that's like mm-hmm. that's like the number one thing you don't do in order yeah. to have good conversation. So I was, I struggled with this concept of how do you, how do you find a genuine interest in people? And then that led me towards kind of, you know, trying to figure that out, led me toward, you know, asking questions. Well, you ask better questions, the more interested you are. But I found that if I can't get interested right off the bat, I just got to keep asking questions. There's something interesting in everybody. And I learned that the more that I do these podcast episodes, the more that I talk to people who um, who, who are used to talking to other people as well. And they're used mm-hmm. to kind of conversating because it does take two people. You can't sit there and like hardcore interview somebody so much, they'll eventually get disinterested and it's almost like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have to have somebody who, who is yeah, allowing themselves to conversate with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have found, yeah, that building the skill of asking questions until I find something interesting And then I just start wigging out on whatever that is, because that makes the other person feel good. Uh, I feel good because now we're talking about something that interests me and we're both benefiting from the conversation because now we can start rabbit holing uh, more and more and more. I like that. Yeah. And that builds connection between you two because now, you know, the person sees you're like, because, you know, even if you try to be interested in someone, I do think there's that extra level of when you are genuinely interested, you as humans, we can just kind of tell oh, yeah, he's a little more interested in this, even though he was trying to be focused and whatnot in the other topics. So I think it, it definitely helps build that connection with whoever you're interviewing or who you're talking to. Just the genuine interest, like not that even that you're forced, but like you, it's just something you both actually really like. Nice. Um, so what have you found is as podcast to podcast host, like 
perhaps your favorite question to ask other people? Like not the mm. one you ask all the time, but just a one you're just like, I love asking this one question. Hmm. Let me like think about that. About that, like a question where you're just like, holy crap, that's such a great question. Because like, as you, I mean, you mentioned John C. Maxwell. I've, I've read a couple of his books on leadership. I always hold the, the leaders ask great questions. I always mm. have it with me for, for interviews just to kind of, because when I was first trying to do podcasts, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I've never done this. I'm crazy. Like I, I don't talk to other people. It's not something I do like that. Again, growing up with being the oldest of three, I didn't really have time to talk to people and whatnot. And then, as you said, when you're in high school, college, you're just kind of me, 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 you know, like, you know, right, right, right. Conversing with other people. But I found with John C. Maxwell, like answering questions is pretty easy. It's finding the questions to actually ask other people, as you said, to build interest and connection that can be very difficult. Yes. My, so thank you for, for, for deepening into that, into that question, because it's given me an opportunity to come up with my answer. I think, (laughs) I think my answer, my answer would be, how did you get to where you are today? That is a question that's so open-ended that depending on the person, they could start a few months ago, or they could start all the way back from childhood and you never know what you're going to get out of context of that. And it, it, it really exposes a lot of what that person values uh, to ask them, how did you get to where you are today? How did you end up doing what it is that you do today? Mm. And it exposes a lot about them. I, expose may sound like a conniving yeah, word, but it's but- just like it, it allows, as you said, open-endedness and like depth with that person. Again, connection. Yeah. you can go in any direction you want, pretty much as far as the rabbit hole goes. Like, you know, exactly. Nice. No, that's a, that's a good question to ask. I like that one. Huh. Yeah. Cause I've just found myself like, okay, like sometimes there are questions I just want to think about. There's like, well, that'd be a tough question to answer. It's like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta use that question to interview. Like, and I mean, just learning from our conversation on what's going to be on your podcast, Peace with the Process, it's like, try not to be so structural with things, you know, so trying to be more natural, but I like to also think about a couple questions that I've always just found to be interesting questions, and I'm Mm. curious to see how people answer such an open-ended question. Right. Nice. I like that question a lot. I'm like, I'm thinking about it. Um, okay, so huh. and when you started with podcasting, what was like what was the thing that sort of uh, kept you going through that uh, what uncomfortability because uh, you know we, we both agreed like it can be uncomfortable talking with people that you don't know, especially starting off. What was just something that helped you go through that path of just like, oh, this feels weird or or uh, oh, like, you know, just keep going. It's cool. Like just uh, ask more questions as you said. Right. Um, with, in the moments where I would get very, very nervous talking with somebody, it would, it would really just be the most comforting part is that a lot of times people enjoy talking about themselves So I usually, as long as I asked one or two good questions, they would really start giving a very long answer, right? And I had time to kind of regain myself. I had time to kind of regain my composure. And 
at the end of the day, realizing that if I really freaked out and I just wanted to hit end on our Zoom call, I could literally end, I could end this whole discomfort at any moment by just going and being done with it. And um, I didn't ever want to, obviously, because I wanted to capture the conversation and I wanted to share it on the, on the podcast. And really the repetition of talking with people, of realizing how many people enjoy. And I'll actually say the opportunity to tell people, and this, uh, you know, I hope this comes off right, but the opportunity to tell people that I didn't think that our conversation was a good fit for my podcast. When you're at a point where you feel that, because I've had some people who've gotten into conversations and they were just trying to sell their business the entire time that we were on the conversation. Mm -hmm. Or I've had some people who dove very, very deeply into some moral concepts that uh, I thought to be just very immoral uh, to the point where I just didn't want to share that type of negativity with an audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you get to a point where you realize I've got standards for what I want to deliver and the, and the type of value that I want to provide, you put yourself in this position to realize that the people you talk to are very important, but you as the leader of your podcast and your platform, you're very important. And, and, and you, I don't know, you, you, you're able to put yourself uh, on, on equal standing with whoever it is that you're talking to. Not only do you feel you need to show up as a good host, but you also feel that, um, you know, I want to make sure that they show up as a good guest as well. It's just this equal respect that helps level that playing field of nerves. Like I don't feel so nervous because I'm also hoping that they show up well as a good guest. Uh, Cause if there's, if there's maybe if, maybe if they're not the best guest, then sometimes the conversation can really get a lot of the weight of the conversation can come back on me and I got to carry the conversation a lot. You know what I mean? Like I'm having to dig Mm -hmm. and you can tell when those conversations happen. I've had a few that I've gone ahead and aired on the podcast because we did find some good nuggets. Um, but you can tell. And, and sometimes that kind of, um, I'm just, I just got done reading. Ryan Holiday's book, uh, Ego is the Enemy. So uh, I, I'm starting to notice those those things that mm-hmm. that boost that boost my ego, and maybe it's a little bit of a healthy boost. But then also realizing, don't let that be a boost in the wrong direction type thing. So you know, it's uh, it's really just realizing how as important as the guest is, it's mm-hmm. you're also very important as a host because otherwise people wouldn't have an opportunity to uh, to receive the value that you bring to them. Hmm. Yeah. Have you found yourself ever not airing uh, like an interview that you have with someone? Only, uh, only twice. And it was for the reasons that I told you before. Like, uh, yeah, one guy was getting into some real spiritual stuff that was like some, some deep, dark spiritual stuff that, uh, that I just uh, didn't feel comfortable sharing with the, with the audience uh, because it was really the core of the whole conversation, which I didn't feel needed to be the core of the conversation either. I, see. Uh, okay. I have no issues yeah. with having people on, on my podcast that have different beliefs and different yeah. spiritual beliefs. But if that becomes like, Hey, this is uh, this is the core of the conversation. Um, it's really just not, that's yeah, just not my away. platform. 
it does it takes it takes away a little bit yeah Yeah. um and then the other person was uh was trying trying really hard to sell their to sell their business on it Um, and it's not their fault they were very new uh for the person who was selling their business they've never been in front of a in front of a camera before and so nothing nothing too intense but it was just kind of quality measures uh to make sure that the value remained good for the audience i see all right. Yeah, because I'm trying to think about like, well, what if that happens to me? Like, would I still air it? Like, right. would I still share it with people? Because to me, it's like, well, in a sense, it could still bring value to other people. Like, who am I to be like, in a sense, play the role of God, right? this almighty thing of, sure. you can listen to this, but not that. But I, I see what you mean by like, well, you have to sort of set a, a standard for your podcast for, and, and sort of play the filter of, the overall message wasn't what I wanted to convey. It didn't, you know, connect and have the intentions that I wanted. So maybe I should pull the plug. Okay, interesting. And there's a big, I mean, it's the whole concept of uh, censorship is real big right now. Like the concept that that anybody would want to keep anybody from being able to experience something is a big topic in today's uh, society. Nobody, nobody because you got a lot of your social media platforms, they try to keep you from seeing certain truths because yeah. maybe, and maybe that is the case. Maybe it's not the case, whatever that is. So people have this heightened awareness that, well, if, if you're keeping me from being able to hear that, then obviously you have a different agenda. Well, I can honestly tell you that my agenda is to make sure that, um, that you are provided with wholesome value and that it's directed toward the concept of, uh, growth. And most of the time that's growth in an entrepreneurial sense, or that's just growth in a, uh, in a personal sense and how that journey looks. If it veers too far off in one direction or the other, you can still have that experience, um, of that type of conversation. You just, you just would get it from somewhere else. Like you just have, you have the access to all these platforms in the world, just because you can't get it from me. doesn't mean I'm depriving anybody from that experience. You can get it anywhere else. I would actually counter that because, well, yes, right? Like, of course, you can experience that person from anywhere else, but we will never experience that person with you. And that's slightly mm. different. I mean, I totally I, like see your point as well. Like, hmm, okay, like, yeah, maybe they can just experience that person in a slightly different situation with someone else. So I don't know. I just, just something I've been recently thinking about. Like, um, I read a, a Patrick Bet David's the, Your Next Five Moves mm. referenced a lot of uh, Joe Rogan's uncomfortable uh, podcasts that he's had. And he's had a couple. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that is uncomfortable. Um, you know, Joe Rogan's podcasts are pretty long. So I don't find myself watching the full things, but I do try to reference and, and learn from his uh, podcast, of course. Right. There, there are like two where it's just like that whole message was just like, as you said, the overall, there was one where the overall podcast just felt weird. And it wasn't on Joe Rogan. It was on his guest. Right. Um, Another one where Joe Rogan got a little, uh, I forget, I forget, is it, I forget who the name of his guest, but uh, one he, he tends to have regularly, he's a little younger, younger guy, and he was in the MMA, and he started talking about how, like, he's not, he's a good fighter, but he's not part of, like, the titan of fighters, like, part of, like, the best of the best, like, you should just quit now, it's like, it got kind of uncomfortable, but it did bring value to people, so. Find it interesting, like, hmm, you know, like you just each individual person has to make the call for their own podcast. Hmm. Nice. Well, talk about I guess what failed conversations, real for podcasts uh, with uh, people. I am curious. Um, 
How do you think uh, failure as a whole has shaped shaped sort of uh, your life up to this moment, as well as shaped the overall uh, flow of your podcast? Failure. Yeah. I right. So it's like no, embrace the good. failure, you know? Absolutely. And man, I, I've met, I've met some instances of failure, but they, they weren't, they weren't too huge. So my, my general story could be summed up by saying, um, my, my initial interest in, uh, growth started with the concept that I, I had a good work ethic, but I had a bad attitude. Uh, so I did get into, uh, instances where my attitude caused uh, issues with uh, mm-hmm. being a good employee. So I picked up a Dale Carnegie book. I start reading. That's what kind of gave me my introduction to uh, self, self-growth. And I didn't really experience failure, maybe in small ways, you know, as a kid and you, and you try this or you try that and you get a little hint of failure, but something that was maybe life-changing because um, the biggest success I ever had was going out and going on a selling everything I had and spending a year building a van and going off on a van trip for, for four or five months. I thought I was going to go for my entire life. So I suppose in a sense, you could consider that a little bit of a failure. And maybe, maybe I might have a hard time answering this because a lot of times I don't view failures as, as failure. I, I view them as a redirection. You know, it's just a redirection, but I guess you could consider that as a sense of failure. So I got out on the road and experienced life on the road, living in a van, living like a hippie. I had long hair and wore a leather vest and had a peace sign for a tire cover on the back of my van and stuff. And uh, was listening to Tom Petty and the whole nine. And I ended up talking with people who were living the hippie lifestyle and I saw how they lived and I was like, I don't want to live like that. You know, I, I, I think that I'm starting to get this desire for white picket fences in a home uh, back home. I was getting homesick. And so I came back home and I had told everybody at my job that I was leaving and I was never coming back. And I ended up coming back to that job. So there was a sense of feeling like a failure when I showed up and I wanted to justify it to people and just say, no, I didn't fail. I successfully sold everything that I had and spent an entire year working on a dream to go and try to experience what that life would be like. Now, did I ultimately achieve living life on the road no but if i did and i did it in vain then it wouldn't have been yeah that would have been horrible we're humans we change we could change in a day you know it's like and i and i truly appreciate that message too because that teaches us well embrace like that change as a person like overall it wasn't perhaps the goal you wanted but you loved the process of that so it's like i loved that process and that built a foundation for me uh, for the rest of my life very deeply because I, I, I was sold out on the concept that if you set your mind to something, you can achieve it. Cause there were so many people who told me, man, you're crazy. There's no way you can do that. Uh, you know, I can't believe you're willing to do that. That's insane. Um, but then even though, even when I did come back and I had to explain to people why I chose to come back, um, I found another, my, my next goal in life was live in a house with a white picket fence with a family and guess where I'm at today. I've got a house that I'm about to move into. Uh, I was promoted two or three times within the organization that I came back to work at. Um, I don't, I I don't have a white picket fence. Thank you. I don't have a white picket fence, but me and my wife got married within that time frame. 
Uh, and now we have my first son who's going to be here in a week and a half. So when I got wow. back from my van trip and I said, Hey, I Congrats. want a picket fence and a family. <laughs> I set forward to find it and I've got it today. So, wow. Congrats, <laughs> man. I'm happy. For Thank you. you. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, now that we're talking about success, I mean, what do you think is, uh, perhaps the, the greatest lesson you've learned, uh, that has what brought success for you? throughout all that the greatest lesson i've learned has been that there really has to be and you and i touched on this a little bit there has to be a sense of enjoyment behind what it is that we do because i know that there's things that we can do in our life that provide value and it might be a good thing but it doesn't necessarily mean it's our calling i believe in callings i believe that I believe that we've been designed and given gifts specific to who we are. And once we start figuring out how those apply, they will be something that fulfills us to where, like you and I discussed, we start making sacrifices. We start making changes in our lives that people think are crazy, but they seem normal or they seem uh, fun to do for us because it connects with our calling and the gifts that we have. And, um, once I had to go through some trial and error with that, once I came back and I realized, okay, I've, uh, I've got the, I've got the family, uh, you know, these things are in motion, you know, the white picket fence, the family and all of that it's in motion. It's just a matter of time as to when the house gets built, uh, when the baby gets here, all of that. But what am I going to start putting all my ambition and my effort into to provide value into this world? Yeah. I tried several different things. I tried a nonprofit, um, you know, and I tried, just a few other deals. Like I think, uh, again, I told you about that green lights idea. I thought mm -hmm. that up for quite a while and nothing, nothing quite stuck with me. There was something about the processes involved with those that, um, that there just wasn't any joy in. Yeah. And I came, I came back and, and realized that, um, I actually used Simon Sinek's method of finding your why and okay. asking, asking my friends, you know, he said, okay, there's a couple of ways to find your why, but one of them is to ask your friends, why are we friends? And a lot of times mm -hmm. they'll give you the general answer. They'll say, oh, well, you know, cause you know, you support me and, and you're always there for me. And you have to play kind of devil's advocate a little bit and say, yeah, I get that. That's a friend. That's what a friend does. But why are we friends? Why have you chosen yeah, you to make ex exactly you yeah. and I specifically. And again, they'll give you another generalized answer of what a friend is. And you got to go, no, but why are we friends? You got to keep digging yeah, and eventually digging. they get fed up. Exactly. Eventually they get fed up. And they're like, I don't know, man. And for me, the answer was, I don't know, dude, you're always pushing me to be a better person. You you've believed in me when I didn't necessarily believe in myself. You think that I'm capable of more than I believe myself to be capable of, um, you know, and, and, you know, I just always feel like, uh, like you're always pushing me to grow. Nice. That was what the, at least two or three of my friends said about why they believed I was friends with them. And I realized, I said, okay, that's great. That's, that's what I provide value. That's what's what I do to provide value. Now, how do I apply that to uh, a career? And that was kind of my mistake was trying to figure out how do I provide it to a career? It's really identifying it as a calling. Well, that's just it. How do I do that now? Instead of just doing it for mm -hmm. two or three friends, how do I do that and do that for two or 3 million people? Yeah. Right. Um, and that's when I realized, well, I can be for these people who are what Simon Sinek and what uh, 
John Maxwell were for me at 21 years old when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Well, they helped instill and grow me to figure that out. So. I absolutely love that. Like a build like a sustainable process, you know? Yeah. Like, like, cause there's some people who, well, I mean, we, we talked, it's like, for me, it was no problem to sleep on the floor or to choose, of course, the option, which is different, but choose option two stars. Like, for me, that was actually a sustainable process of sorts for me. That, not, yeah. that might not be for you, but find, in a sense, your sustainable process. And I love how, you know, you're all for, you know, traveling in the van. You did it for a couple months, but then you found that that process that was sustainable a year, two years ago, you know, throughout that journey of you're still with your parents trying to get to that goal. You did the goal for a couple months. It's not the same where you want to be for the next year, you know, so you mm-hmm. weren't afraid to find a new process in a sense that's sustainable. Right. And well, then what is sustainable for you? Well, what are, what are your intentions? What are your values? Like, well, like you said, you know, even that change, it's like, Oh my right. gosh, you know, being an adult so hard is like, I, I thought I had these goals and now it's like, my goals have completely changed. It's like, imagine you're trying to play soccer and you're trying to make a goal. And now the goalpost keeps changing. Like, that's, so, <laughs> that's sort of like adulting in a sense, especially starting off. You're trying to figure out who or why you are, you know, it's like, so I, I love, you know, you're always growing and changing. You're embracing that change of, of a sustainable process. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I, I wanted to touch base a little more on just podcasting uh, so people can uh, also really connect and take some ideas of how maybe if they want to start a podcast, maybe they're on the edge of starting a podcast and, you know, it's like uh, maybe they're just too scared or whatever it may be. Hmm. Um, what is uh, one message you would like to share with someone who is considering starting a podcast today don't be afraid to do it just for yourself i think that i genuinely enjoy podcasting and if i had no if i had zero viewers i would still do it because of everything that it has provided for just me and i i think you and i even talked a little bit about the concept of uh of making sure that we do things so that we can make sure that the value remains fit for a certain audience for for other people you know right but then there's also like at the foundation of it it's it has to connect with you otherwise your originality your uh your authenticity yeah. yeah your processes and all that stuff it'll it'll start there'll start to be too much friction in it to where uh it'll be harder for other people to connect so for me I have such a freedom with the podcast and I feel that's really the only way to do it is to, to have this, this freedom to have it be how, how you would have it be, you know? And for me, that's, for me, that's just, I want to have conversations with people who are doing, uh, who are experiencing a different path in life than I am, but they're still pursuing growth. And I want to learn from their successes and their failures. And it used to be that I wanted to do that for uh, only people who were these big, heavy professionals that have that have yeah. achieved that have achieved, you uh-huh. know, so much in life. That used to be my original thought process. But the more that I start to talk with people, uh, you know, obviously I haven't had someone that I believe like I haven't had John Maxwell. Like I feel like that would be like almost uh, for me that'd be like whoa, like that's like one of the I, I feel huge too intimidated, right? That's, yeah, like, that's, like it's, it's, I would love to have like Jordan Peterson, but yeah. I feel like just holding a conversation with that person would just be like, 
Oh, that'd be so difficult, no? So I used to think that way too. I had an opportunity to talk to one of my childhood, not, not childhood heroes. It was like one of my van day heroes. Because when I decided to go on this van trip, I read uh, Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. And nice. Rolf Potts, I read his Vagabonding book. I went on to read his other book with Marco Polo didn't go there. And I watched all of his YouTube videos. Uh, and a lot of what he talks about is the the uncommon art of long-term world travel. That's that was the subtitle for his book, Vagabonding. So that's what I was absorbed in. Um, and he's got this, he's got this look of like this, this traveler, and he's been single for the majority of his life. I think he just recently got married and now he's doing the whole traveling thing with with a spouse and stuff, but uh, or fiance. But I had an opportunity to have him on the podcast. And that was the first time I ever experienced kind of this starstruckness. And it did. It was a little bit difficult because I didn't want to come off so geeky uh, yeah. talking talking <laughs> to somebody who I looked up to. So, yes, it was difficult. But having been able to go through that and having talked to so many different types of people from so many different walks of life, I realized how human everybody is. So I couldn't. I could absolutely tell you that my nerves would be crazy if I was talking to Jordan Peterson or Simon Sinek or John Maxwell, uh, they would be crazy. I would have to, I would have to really refrain from my nerves, but I have no doubt that I would be able to ask some really compelling questions. And I think that's all I need to, to receive some value from them. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy because, you know, like we, we paint this whole picture in our heads and then you meet them. And it's just like, wow, you're human. Like we're yeah. all simply human beings who ideally want to help the world in some sort of shape or way or whatever. Hmm. How, how, what helped you, I guess, what, settle those nerves when you did meet uh, Ralph Potts? Because, I mean, as you said, even with Jordan Peterson, it would be never you know, John. John C. Maxwell is just like, oh my God, like they got so many years of experience. They're such experts in their fields, you know, that even for me, I find Jordan Peterson a little more intimidating just because he's so punctual with the way he speaks and communicates. Mm, but John, right. John C. Maxwell too. But it's like, Jordan Peterson is like precise with almost everything he says, just like, like it has a flow. I'm just like, oh my gosh, how do you, how do you just communicate like that? Oh my gosh. Right. Well, I think I think it can probably stem from this fear of being called out by our heroes. I don't think anybody wants to nobody wants for for you to be in conversation with 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 someone who we look up to and then to and then for them to be like, um, oh, well, you know, it's not real. I don't know for them to for them to challenge you, I suppose, you know, because there's this there's this thought process of. Uh, maybe they're going to come across smarter than me and they're going to think that, that maybe I'm just not, uh, I'm not, I'm not challenging them or there's this, it's really a, it's a feeling of not, not leveling up, not being able to be on the same level with them. And to be honest with you, man, I don't know. I have not I cracked. I have not cracked that code. Yeah. I yeah. just, I didn't, I mean, I'm not going to say I did it successfully. I'll say that I did it as successful as I could have done it in the moment, but uh, yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> just like, grit and bear with it. <laughs> just yeah, the, the path through is through, right? Just just right. do it. Repetition. 
yeah getting getting because more I've, reps on it yeah i've done i've done not necessarily public uh public speaking but i've spoken i've had to get up in front of uh, uh in front of several groups of employees and and, and talk with groups of employees. I've had the opportunity to get up and speak it uh, at my church and things like that. So I've been put in situations where I've had to stand up in front of uh, large crowds of people to speak. And the only way that I know how to get rid of that nervousness, because it's, it's pretty much the same nervousness feeling of public speaking as it is to talk to your hero yeah. uh, or, or to someone you look up to. It's pretty yeah. much the same feeling. Um and the only way that I've figured out how to get better at uh, public speaking has been repetition because I can get some takeaways on how I could better operate while I'm on yeah. stage. Little but techniques. The, and the, the main reason that I have anything that I was bad at mm -hmm. was because I was nervous. So it's not that I didn't know what I should have done correctly. It's that I was nervous in that moment and my mind, my mind was somewhere else or, you know, yeah. I, I had Emotions. my hand, right. I had my hand, like I was, maybe I was like scratching here or something yeah. like that. Cause I was a little, yeah, something like that. And if you would loosen up because you've done it enough and you can, you have this sense of confidence, then that wouldn't be an issue. So the only, sometimes the only way to fix some of the, some of the communication deficiencies is just by doing it so often that you get your mind off of it and you're just, yeah. you're just allowing yourself to do it. Like you would, you walk, you walk with good form because you've walked forever mm -hmm. you know so i've i've had an opportunity lately to, to do some public speaking opportunities and, and people nice. coaching me on it and so yeah and so i tell them i said okay i i wrote that down i said but i just want another opportunity to speak again like i just want to speak again i just want to speak again because the only way for me to get better at that is to continue to speak over and over again. Mm -hmm. interesting oh my dog's oh. going crazy <laughs> no worries <laughs> Why do you think as, I mean, maybe not all humans, but I've even found like, because I would actually consider myself more of an introvert than an extrovert, even though a lot of mm. my friends are like, Ryan, what are you talking about? You're so extrovert. No, no, I'm, I'm actually pretty introverted, but I'm just passionate about like certain things. Like, why do you think overall, like as most humans anyways, we have this, con uh, this deep desire of like connection with other people. Like, I, like I tried to really think about that because, right, because that's, quite a quite a big question is like well why, yeah. why do we all feel like we need to have connection with other people because you you know you mentioned and i think everyone who decides to start a podcast sort of feels like oh i'm gonna try and get the biggest person john c maxwell peterson it's just like and then you have conversations with i mean no offense but like you know people that just aren't as high right but you still love it like you, you still love that connection with people yeah like why i think it is I believe that is the opportunity to provide value and be valued. I think if you're doing either one of those, then you are experiencing fulfillment in some form or fashion. And that can only be achieved through connection with another human being. Uh, you, you can't provide, you can provide value to, um, you know, I don't know, to a, a group of kangaroos, but if a kangaroo doesn't have the ability to fulfill you by showing you how much they value you, then that, that yeah. fulfillment isn't going to yeah. be met. And, and I think thinking about that and like, that can also be not just other people, but with yourself as well, sort of treating yourself as someone to take care of. It's like, maybe that's why, you know, we love growth and learning, like, cause we find, well, I mean, 
I'm sure we both find fulfillment, I, I think I can say, of like teaching ourselves and as you said, analyzing what worked, what didn't work, get, providing ourselves some sense of value and then using that to bring value to other people. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Because I've, I've been thinking about that question for a while. You know, why, why do people like, you know, connection and whatnot? And, huh. And they're sort that way. Providing well, yeah, because think that everybody enjoys talking about themselves. Well, the only reason we enjoy talking about ourselves is because we have this hope in the back of our mind that somebody's going to validate us, that somebody is going to value what we're telling them. And we will experience that value by them saying, oh, wow, what you had to say was really cool. Like it is, it's kind of this, it's kind of selfish, but it's just natural. You know, it's natural that human. uh, Yeah, it's human. We want to, we want to talk. And sometimes we get in conversations with people who you can tell that instead of actually listening to you, they're just waiting for them to talk because it's kind of that endorphin addiction. You know, you really just Mm -hmm. want to receive the value. You really just want to receive more value than then you want to put in the effort to try to give more value. And, uh, and, and sometimes that's the, that's the tricky path. You got to make sure you we're walking right. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's, I think that's what it comes down to is we, we, we want to be valued uh, so badly that, uh, that we just have to do it through communicating. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to ask you another question now, because now I'm just like, cause I, okay. I think about a couple of questions um, just because we're on the topic of questions I've been thinking about. Why do you think Joe Rogan's podcast has done so well throughout what, the last decade that he's been doing it? Because like, honestly, some of them are like really like, I mean, most of them are like over two hours long. It's like, even I, like, I'm not going to stay on for that long. But I, I do right. like his little clips that he does. It's like, okay, cool. I can get like 10, 15 minute clips, listen to it. But why, why do you think his podcast is like, so big and it's like because it's like you think podcasts people i think most people can say okay joe rogan podcast they might not know any other podcast but for the most part i think most people can say joe rogan podcast is like the creme de la creme why i I think i believe that is because uh it's unfiltered and controversial and i think Mm -hmm. that right now is something that grabs pretty much everybody's attention so filtered yeah, unfiltered and controversial. I don't like when I think about Joe Rogan's podcast, I cannot pinpoint a specific uh, agenda that the podcast has. Right. I, I've never been able to pinpoint like what is his necessary intention besides, as you said, like being maybe a little controversial, but also being completely transparent with people. Right. He's just having conversations. That's yeah. literally that's literally all it is. Um but it's it's compelling because he's unfiltered. He he uh, he encourages his guests to be unfiltered because he's already got that reputation. People yeah. know if you're going to go on the Joe Rogan podcast, you're probably going to talk about some stuff you wouldn't usually talk about mm-hmm. on other people's podcasts. Yeah. Um, and you're probably going to talk about some stuff that uh, that is that is again controversial. Um, now. I, yeah, I think that's why it's probably yeah. received attention from the masses because mm-hmm. anybody can relate to at least a tenth of the episodes that he's put out. And he's put out hundreds, if not up yeah, into the thousands yeah, yeah, the by thousands. now. I know it's like yeah. 11 or 1200 he got. Right, yeah. Probably more. I'm, I'm honestly not thinking about it, but I know I've seen like at least a thousand episodes for sure. Right. Um, oh, yeah. 
I'm definitely unfiltered for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, what have, what have you found yourself sort of uh, learning recently within, I don't know, last day, week, uh, perhaps podcasting or just life in general? Um, let me think. For me, it's been, I want to say how I learn. So trying to trying to prioritize which area I learn and which area I start to uh, kind of take what I already, what I have learned and start to apply it. So I feel like there's so much like with you, you said you read like five different books at a time. Sometimes Um, I can sometimes do the same, but I have to think about, okay, which area of my life maybe needs to be prioritized right now to learn more about. And while I'm learning that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the same area that I have to start uh, implementing things that I've learned, but maybe there's another area that, Hey, I, I have some knowledge that I haven't used in another area and I'm going to prioritize that for how I'm, how I'm implementing what I've learned. So it's, that's kind of been where I'm at here lately. And there's not, I haven't necessarily been like, I don't have a book that I'm reading on how to learn, mm-hmm. um, which is strangely enough. That's what, uh, that's what Nick Velasquez's book was all about. And uh, I have yet to pick that up and read it. And it, it's actually on my list to, to pick it up and, and have a read because I'm interested in that, but it is, it's the concept of, because right now there's so many books that I would love to read. So I have to yeah. just think, I'm like, okay, but which one should I read right now? Which one do I need to read right now? Yeah. Which one do I need to read right now? And if I'm reading that, I'm still in the process of learning. It takes me a little while to read a book. I'll be in the process of learning. Well, I need to, I need to be implementing something I've already learned in a different area of my life. So I'll pick up a few other books that I just recently finished and I'm going to skim through those and find, okay, Hey, here's something that I connected with because I, I wrote in the book and I underlined it and I'm going to start implementing this in this part of my life. So it's kind of that playing around with the, uh, with the balance concept. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like the feelings, like what I feel like I want to read today, but then also like the, your values or like sort of your intent of like, well, what do I want to actually learn and apply within the next couple of days or weeks or whatever. Right. Um, like, I mean, I guess to, to try and, and, and help you out with sort of prioritization. I mean, something I've just found that helps is like ordering the books that you think you're going to use, as you said, within the next day, week, whatever, something soon, including that in sort of your, your book list, like book pile of, of books that you're going to currently read. And then when it comes to the moment of actually reading, embracing today, I feel like reading this one, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, reflect at the end of the day, well, was that perhaps the right choice or whatever? Oh no. Well, I have, I don't know. Uh, interview with this other person i would really like to read matthew mcconaughey's book before i interview matthew mcconaughey i should probably right. read that book and sort of reflecting on that but in the moment i don't know i've just found for me is is just i feel like reading this today because but not only because of all oh, the feelings like i think you'll have a better connection when you read the actual book if, if you i like that are, are fully in that feeling of you know what i don't even want to read nonfiction. i want to read fiction today you're going to connect with yeah. that so much more. And I think that ties back to like self-education. Like, you, you know, you best, even though you also don't, it's like a dichotomy, but you know yourself the best in that moment, you know, the, the feelings and whatnot. So, and I think there's, I, I genuinely enjoy that, that take on it. And I'm, I'm going to apply that. And I want to see how that turns out because 
So for instance, um, I'm actually working on, so there's, I agree with that hundred percent, but then I also believe that there's a point where we have mm-hmm. to decide, is there something that we need to pursue from beginning to end? And we need yes. to just have the self-discipline to see it all the way to the yes. end. Yes. Uh, but like you said, like, you, you know, the, there's yeah, a, balance like a balance between it. Mm-hmm. We have to have that, that, that level of, it, I want to just say it's kind of common sense. Well, I want to almost say like common sense, common sense because it's like, it's like, okay, well, if you don't do this, if you don't read this one book from beginning to end, is there any, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Is there any cost? That's not the word I'm looking for. What's, what's going to happen if you don't basically, what's going to happen if you, if you cost, right, right. Basically like, is there any, is there anything that, that if, that if you don't read this from beginning to end, that is going to happen to affect you negatively. So I'll just, for instance, I'm ha- I have the opportunity to do a, uh, to do a book review on a book uh, for mm-hmm. book thinkers. And they sent me the book and uh, I know that I need to read it and I need to have it done from beginning to end within a certain time period so that I can do the review on it within a certain mm-hmm. time period. That to me is common sense. I need to finish that book before, or at the very least, I need to have a plan. I'm going to read if it's a hundred page book, I'm going to read 25 pages a day for four days. This way I can have it all done in a week. Um, right. But then realizing that if there are no constraints to just let yourself be unconstrained, let yourself just do like what you said, connect with what connects with you at that moment. And I think, I think that's something that maybe I struggle with because like I told you in the beginning of our, uh, of our conversation, I like analyzing what I do and how I do it on a daily basis in order to help me be most proficient. Mm -hmm. And if I think too much about proficiency and not enough about creativity, then I lose a little bit of, well, I don't, well, I don't get to explore creativity. Maybe that's why I'm so attracted to people who are, who are doing creative things. Like we talked about, like why I was attracted to Matthew McConaughey's concept of green lights. Yeah. I'm coming to this realization as I'm talking it over. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Developing together, you know, like growing together. Absolutely. And well, I'm going to share another concept because again, we've been on this topic. There's a couple of thoughts I've been thinking this last, uh, this last weekend, to be honest, I've, I've personally found there's like a, people think chaos is a bad thing, but I think there's two types of chaos. There's a good Mm. chaos and a bad chaos. The bad chaos, there's no rules. There's no constraints. You're allowed to do whatever you want. And it can sort of be bad because you fall into this pit of just like consume too much food or even consume too much knowledge. Whereas with with the good chaos, you have some rules. You have some set rules, as you said. Maybe, okay, for book thinkers, you have to go ahead and and read these couple pages. But because you have that foundation of these are the rules that have to be done, it allows for this sort of good chaos this creativity everywhere else right so you know your basis of i don't know um for example i don't like to have shoes in the house or whatever uh things like that but then i can allow myself to be creative with i don't know anything else outside of those rules in the house so like for me you might like people who might visit my place would probably think i'm crazy i like to tape papers and if it were my house i would paint the walls with uh it's like this paint where you can do uh what is it sharp, uh, the, sharp. the chalk expo, the chalk like paint the, yeah the expo. They, have, they have expo now so i want to oh, do nice. expo so i can draw on the walls so it's yeah. to other people that seem like chaotic right it's like oh my gosh no the walls are dirty but it's like no no, no. like there, there is like this beautiful good chaos within it like i don't like the, the floors to be dirty with shoes because i don't want to 
a lot of people walk the dogs outside over here and they don't pick up after themselves. It's like, oh, sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want right. to have that on the carpet. But then it allows for this sort of good, beautiful chaos of, of oh, why can't I put tape on the walls, not just in my office, but in the in the living room or, or have these things in different ways. It doesn't go against the rules that I've set. Yeah. So, and plus, especially when you live with other people, it helps setting those types of rules. Hey, don't do this and this and this. You're free right. for anything else outside of those sort of uh, constraints, as you said, the balance of, of hitting what you want to hit, um, but then also allowing that chaos, that creativity to, to flow through. Right. Mm-hmm. I like well, that because I even do the same thing with my Saturdays in terms of how I set up my routine. My Saturdays, I have a, a little bit in the morning that I like to get done, mm-hmm. but then I leave the whole rest of the day with the exception of a couple of things before I go to bed. The whole rest, the whole middle of that day stays un. I don't have a routine for that whole chunk of the day. That way, I can allow whatever the heck comes up, comes up, and even sometimes the routine itself in my morning or at the end. Even sometimes I throw that out yep. because because Saturday's my 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 chaos day. Yeah, uh, and I'm all right with that. Absolutely, and like you said, at the end of the day, well, was that my intention? Was it well worth the sacrifice of of, of exactly? Yeah. You know what? I got to spend that extra 30 minutes with my significant other. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Or I got to spend extra five minutes with my dog or whatever you want to do. It's like, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So, you know, we're here. Yep. Absolutely. Nice. And so, you know, pretty much wrapping up here, I'm curious just uh, what are a couple of books that you found have had th- the deepest impact and connection with you throughout your journey so far, you know? Right. Uh, I know you deepest books. Lights, um, how to win friends and influence people. That one has had probably the biggest impact only because it was the foundation behind understanding or really the foundation behind being introduced to the concept of uh, education as opposed to academics, Uh, educating myself on how to be a better person, uh, how to grow my weaknesses uh, and how to and how to identify strengths and capitalize on strengths. That's really what my entire journey was was all about after picking that book up and reading it uh, different. I read different Dale Carnegie books as well. Hmm. I'm trying to think about something I read. I mean, the most recent book that I read was ego is the enemy <clears throat> and I'm a Christian and I'm forward about my faith on my podcast as well. And I've noticed that, <clears throat> that there's a, a lot of people who, uh, who look at stoic principles and so I've always wondered, you know, is there anything about stoicism that that maybe uh, conflicts with Christian faith? And I tried to find tried to find people who have looked at stoicism and the concept of uh, stoic philosophy or, and, and some of the Greek philosophers ideas. And I've tried to find people who have looked at it from a Christian point of view. Uh, and I haven't really found anybody who's done it and then kind of given their take on it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I just finished. uh Ryan Holiday's uh, "Ego Is the Enemy," and I read through it all through it once, and then I'll go back through and I'll kind of I'll kind of pick through to see if there's any uh, in terms of like uh, you know pick out the bones, eat the meat, and pick out the bones type deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll go back through it and I'll do that for the major for the majority of it. Uh, there's a lot a lot of meat uh, in that book, and I've I've definitely found that uh, considering ego the enemy to definitely be a a Christian concept as well, and so that's, that's definitely had some, uh, some influence on my life. And I've even seen other instances where, 
uh, Christian philosophers have used other uh, other philosophers uh, who didn't share the same faith to help convey thoughts and ideas. So it's opening up a lot of different things for me right now in terms of uh, spiritual philosophy, I suppose. Yeah, the I, I and I love the open mindedness that you have with it. You know, like you can believe in different things, but still take ideas from other people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's the conveying of, it's the conveying of what I believe to be true. So my beliefs, my beliefs stay firm, uh, but it's the concept that uh, I don't discredit anybody for what it is that they believe, because I don't believe anybody is a hundred percent correct in everything that they believe. Uh, I believe that there's a, a lot of truth behind what all of us believe, no matter how different it is. And uh, I, I'm nobody to tell you that your truths are wrong just because other things you believe are wrong. Um, I very much like to pull and experience. I like to, I like to confirm people's truths instead of point out uh, their wrongs. And there's a time and place to help, uh, to help people uh, understand new, new concepts and things that might be new to them. But for the most point, I like to, I like to help confirm people, Hey, this is, this is what I believe to be right. I, b- I believe we're, we're both right in this aspect. And I think we can share that. You mentioned a little bit about, uh, you know, having faith, you know, Christian. Um, how do you think having faith just overall in like the being of faithfulness, if you will, um, has impacted sort of your creativity uh, throughout life? Because again, uh, back to Jordan Peterson, I, I don't know, well, uh, within his second book, he just recently released a second book, Beyond Order. And he, and he talks a bit about like, you have to sort of have this, this, voluntary giving up of this greater thing to in order to achieve something greater than yourself like how do you Mm. think faith has affected your uh, creativity as as a person man it how has it affected it um it's the it's the whole basis of it uh, as a matter of fact that's why i call what i do a calling rather than a career uh that's why i feel that i have uh I have, I have gifts rather than, rather than just, uh, strengths. So it's really the foundation at at what I, at what I believe and what I do, but how has it affected my creativity? I know it's a big question. It's a, it is, it's a big question, but I'll say, for instance, I read, uh, I read Ecclesiastes here recently, which is a book in the Bible and the term, the phrase, it is, uh, the phrase it is useless is brought up so many times within that particular book because they don't know exactly who it is that wrote that book. It's a, uh, they believe they, they refer to him as the teacher in some, uh, in, in some of the, uh, translations. Um, and in this book, it's a person who basically set out to try to understand everything that there is to understand in life. And through that, he found that there is so much of life that is useless and that there are some foundational things, which obviously involves, uh, you know, the understanding of, uh, of our duty to God, but then also just the, the, uh, the understanding of uh, enjoying the work that you do while you're here and, uh, and providing value is 
is really at the sense because that's kind of the duty to God part is to provide value to, to, to people here and to, and to be of, to be valued to, to people. Um, but then the enjoying the work that you do, like that's kind of what he narrows it down to. He's basically saying, you know, enjoy the life that you've been given and do it in a way that, that pleases God. And so for me, that has really opened up my creativity to say that, um, man, I can enjoy there's so many things that I can, that I can just, you know, decide to seek and enjoy, but then there's also this concept of not getting caught up in the understanding of things, which is natural for me to do as, as we discussed, I, I'm very self analytical. So it, it helps me, it helps me play and stay in an area of, uh, of balance, helps me balance, adds another layer of balance. I'll say. Yeah. I mean, something I learned, I mean, I, I'm very open-minded and I try to read a lot from uh, the Bible, even though I wouldn't say I'm specific to any religion. I mean, I'm guess closest to Christian or Catholic. I'm not really sure. I don't, but I do say I'm more of a, like just a religious person where I do love to read and analyze the Bible. And something that I learned from when I was little though, was um, like, you're never going to find all the answers to everything. So just right. be accepting of that. Like just, you know, it's okay to be curious. It's okay to ask questions, but just embrace that we're merely humans. We're merely mortals. We're not going to find the answers to every single question that we have. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and there's, and you'll also find verses that say, take joy in the, uh, you know, take joy in the, what's, there's a specific word. It's not necessarily take joy in, in the trying to understand. Um, but, but I guess it kind of is, you know, take joy in the, in the attempting to understand. Well, well, the thing is, so here, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. If somebody didn't find joy of digging in the dirt, mm -hmm. they would not have come up with the, with the concept that there are layers in the earth, right? Mm -hmm. So take joy in the exploration, just be content that you might not find what it is you thought you were looking for, or that you might not understand 100% of it, but you do still gain 80% knowledge of what you might have thought. 100% understanding might have looked like. So it's take joy in, in, in trying to understand, just, just be okay that you may not get where you thought you were going to go along the way, but, but, but take, uh, but take, be confident that you will be left uh, more wise or, or, or more knowledgeable than if you hadn't thought to look into it at all. Yeah. Found that fulfillment. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well, Blake, this has been absolutely wonderful. Um, yes, it has. This has been fun. Is there any last words you would like to share with the audience? Any last words that I would like to share with the audience? You know what? Uh, just, just take a moment to, uh, to enjoy the, uh, the concept of, uh, of exploring, you know, if you're not quite sure if what you're doing is the right thing, or if you're not quite sure what you should do at all, explore. I think that's a takeaway that you can get from both of our conversations uh, from part one and part two, uh, you know, take joy in the exploration process and be content that you may not get where you thought you were going to go, but you will be left better off for, uh, for being content and finding peace with the process. <laughs> nice. Absolutely. And so if you guys are just tuning in for uh, part two on the Mind Us podcast, 
that I'm hosting. There is a part one that Blake has on his podcast, Peace with the Process. So if you haven't checked it out, please definitely go ahead and check out his podcast, check out part one, check out all his other uh, wonderful podcasts. I've definitely checked out his intro and a couple of other ones. Mad cool. So definitely just go check it out. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, today's discussion. And Blake, definitely, this was a lot of fun, a lot of great depths and insights, a lot of different things. So Absolutely. I enjoyed being on. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please leave a review and let us know what you learned, what you loved. Wishing you great success. Continue developing the mind one experience at a time.